You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And for those of you listening to the podcast version of this, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Next hour, we will get to some of your feedback on a Feedback Friday, but we have a packed house for the first hour today. A couple of familiar faces here with us, Todd and Aaron. He's a familiar face this week. Nate Madden uh, is our congressional correspondent uh, at CRTV, who apparently has nothing better to do but to hang out with us this week. Good to see you, Nate. And we have a new face with us. Caleb Howe is the former managing editor over at Red State. He is now with Mediaite. Caleb is on the panel for the first time. Brother, it's good to have you with us. How are you? Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's get to it. It is time for the day screw. That's right. It's your weekly look at the week that was. Hopefully that's not an omen. <laughs> let's begin with issue one. Yeah, maybe there was a blue wave after all. It's the election that won't end. After counting all the votes and in some places counting and counting and counting and counting and counting Democrats are making the initial prognostication of election night look a little foolish at this point. They've flipped 35 House seats with more to come, taken over seven governorships, including deep red Kansas, and they've fared pretty well against a Senate map that favored Republicans, including that Arizona Senate seat that Martha McSally conceded earlier this week, which had been in Republican hands for decades. Blue wave or not, Democrats now have an easier path to placate their base who so desperately wants impeachment but we weren't anywhere near that yet does this breaking news tonight change your view on that are true uh, are we getting closer and closer to the possibility of yet another impeachment process reluctantly wolf i i have to say yes is it an impeachable offense if in fact the president obstructed justice so in terms of impeachment are you taking action, working with Republicans or doing anything that would actually move that agenda forward? Do you harbor any hopes that you will find a conservative legal mind to match your desire to proceed with impeachment? I on- think he can be looked at and perhaps even charged with obstruction of justice. I think that- So you mean impeachment proceedings? I beg your pardon? You mean impeachment proceedings? Impeachment originates in the House. House leadership and the Republican Party has shown no interest in that and seems like it's the furthest thing from their mind. You think that's going to change? Are you suggesting that President Trump should face impeachment? No, I'm not suggesting um, that. Uh, Congressman, what is your case for impeachment? Evil, but now we're talking impeachment. Do you think this is a bridge too far? Yeah, what do you think of this impeachment possibility? What's new, more needed to prove obstruction of justice than the president fires the guy coming after him after asking to drop the case? What more do you need? Uh, is that the, impeachment is the remedy. I mean, the president can't... It's the only this. remedy. Yeah, there's growing talk, at least, about impeachment within your party. Uh, you have Congresswoman Maxine Waters. You have Congressman Al Green. Congress, uh, Congresswoman um, Tulsi. Gabbard, all, all talking about impeachment for this president. 
All right, we're going to get to more about what year one with a Democrat House might look like in the next segment. But let's go back to what happened on election night. Gentlemen, let's switch. You know, we do this with the liberal media all the time. So let's do this uh, with ourselves. If indeed Republicans had won 35 House seats, and and by my math, um, I think they're going to flip five more, maybe six more when the uh, counting is all done, the actual counting, not like what's happening in Broward County. I mean, like real vote counting, which would give them a 40-seat swing. They swung seven governorships, Aaron mentioned, uh, including Deep Red Kansas. And to go minus two uh, against the most favorable GOP Senate map, maybe in the history of uh, the two-party system, certainly in recent memory. So I'm asking, Todd, I'll start with you. Did we in the conservative media, did we sell the Democrats short on election night? Well, I admitted as much that night. Yeah, again, I predicted a narrow, very narrow uh, win for Republicans. So I, I obviously did. Um, so it's it's definitely a wave by that standard. And again, I'm I'm glad we put that into the context. The, a wave is a rhetorical flourish, and how, so it, instead of talking in in raw data numbers. That's really what we should look at. Was there any sense of putting a pause button on based uh, by the press and uh, the Democrats? And I repeat myself, any sense of putting on the pause button based on, well, we didn't win quite as much and we kind of need to let the memory of this election go away before? we No, they are using uh, the, what they view as the wave of this. And that's really what matters to talk like that. Uh, so it's I think by any reasonable standard, it's being treated by a wave by the people who are going to be hijacking a news cycle. So the people on the right, people on shows like this, better be thinking about it as a wave so we can prepare ourselves for what's next. Caleb Howe, you worked many years at one of the leading platforms of conservative media. Now you're kind of the media critic guy. So did uh, we, your former peers, Caleb, did we sell the Democrats short on election night? Was this a more impressive win than maybe we thought it was going to be 10 days ago? Well, no, I mean, I think from the uh, from the standpoint of where we are now, you can't go back and say was election night understood if the gains are being made a week later. So mm. I don't think it was being undersold. Uh, especially because what they were expecting, and you could hear it in their voices on CNN, on MSNBC, even on Fox, what they were expecting was to come in and just be putting up one blue check mark after another. And when that didn't happen, when it didn't happen early, when it didn't happen fast, and when it didn't happen continuously, the idea that it was a wave sputtered out. Uh, it was a branding thing for sure. It was definitely a perception thing. And eventually, they're going to treat it as if a wave. That's correct. They're going to act like it's a wave. They're going to um, rally their base around the idea of a wave because they were invested in that that sort of brand for what happens. But even if it was a shellacking, you know, it wasn't as bad as Obama's first one, and uh, it, it took too long. It was there was too much drama. So it, as far as walking in for a crushing, humiliating defeat of the Republicans, they didn't get there. You, so if I hear you right, Caleb, you think they they oversold their prospects going in, and that's why it doesn't appear that they have you know, kind of the wind at their back momentum that you probably should when you get sure. these if kinds of wins, it, right? Imagine that they had come in and they had said, look, it's going to be a uh, tough re-election. We have a bad map. We're hoping <clears> to pick <throat> up some seats. We may not flip the house. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to have a wave, but it's going to be a good election for us and we'll probably, uh, we'll probably get the majority. And then the results were what they are now. They'd be talking about how they exceeded their expectations. Instead, they underperformed because they oversold. 
That's an interesting perspective, Nate. Your thoughts covering Capitol Hill, and I don't know how long you've been covering it, but and, and some of it I'm sure is because I tend to run more in conservative circles. But you know, I've done a, my fair share of appearances uh, and interviews with the liberal media during these cycles, and the numbers here for the Democrats are pretty impressive. But in terms of perception, it doesn't feel the way that it felt after 2010 or 2014. Uh, but maybe they feel differently up there on the Hill. Maybe they are giddy. What do you see up there, Nate? Yeah, I'm sorry, uh, Steve. I got, I got a lot of cutting out on, uh, on my earpiece uh, a second ago. But uh, if we're asking the same question here, I've got, I've got to side more with Caleb on this one. They definitely oversold it. When we're looking at waves, I, the, the, the standard, at least in recent memory, to look at when we're talking about a bad wave is the 2010 Tea Party wave that took over the House. They fell short of that. And they fell well short of that. And it did take too long. This wasn't the kind of decisive thing that they wanted. Uh, they still got the House. That was a foregone conclusion in a lot of people's minds that the House was just already lost because of all the factors that were already there. Uh, if anything, I think that most like the Republican establishments, conservative media didn't do enough to manage expectations on that because the, the deck was really strongly stacked against the Republicans keeping the House in any form or fashion uh, last Tuesday. What do you think, Karen? Yeah, I think at least initially we oversold it, but we were just going on. I think a lot of us were just going on information that we already had. I mean, uh, on the one hand, um, we listened to a few people, uh, a few media, a few in the media, and we know which way they uh, lean. We listened to them say, well, this has been a disappointing night for Democrats. Caleb is absolutely right that uh, here we are over a week later and we're still getting results in. I mean, this, is, this has been now a week and a half almost uh and we're still getting results of some of these races in i don't maybe that's typical for some places but boy that really seems um it just seems weird um especially this many races but then again um you know there were there there were a lot of uh a lot of things that we didn't expect to happen um that happened so who the heck knows at this point caleb i want to go back to you for a second because you're monitoring the whole of media now they're at mediaite what is, let's set Broward County aside. I think everybody recognizes, and maybe you throw the Georgia gubernatorial race, and you take the Georgia gubernatorial race and Broward County and the Florida races there, set those aside as their own partisan animals. Why the hell did it take so long in 2018 to, to count the votes in the Arizona Senate race? Why do we still have six House races not called 10 days uh, after the election. What, what's the cross outside of partisan media? What's the, what's the best explanation for why that would even occur in 2018 America? Close races. It's close races. All we're seeing is, is uh, unpreparedness and bad setups that already existed that didn't matter when there weren't enough votes left to be counted to make up a difference. You know, if you have a landslide election, it doesn't really matter if the last 20,000 votes are sure. uh, take three weeks to count and everything mm-hmm. because you call it really early. So what we're seeing is the kind of unpreparedness that exists in a lot of places, in a lot of counties, and uh, all around the country, a uh, sort of crumbling, um, a crumbling structure for counting, tallying votes, making sure that they're legitimate, that they're not being recounted twice. I'm sure that this kind of uh, these kind of errors happen a lot more often than we think. We just don't hear about it because the races aren't that tight. And of course, in Broward and and uh, really anywhere in Florida, and it, it, these are the two that that are uh, Palm Beach. They're that are uh, dragging out the longest. But anywhere in Florida, you, you see problems 
you see problems with the electoral process. All right, let's get to an exit question. A little preview looking ahead to 2020. Michelle Obama everywhere right now. Uh, book is a bestseller. She's on every, just about every uh, mainstream media <laughs> channel as we speak. True or false, Michelle Obama would be a formidable candidate for Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential election. Todd. True. Absolutely. I mean, we are, this is reality TV. We know that based on uh, Donald Trump's uh, ascendancy. She is a uh, reality TV icon now. I mean, it's, it is instantly neck and neck from the beginning. Caleb, how true or false, Michelle Obama would be a formidable candidate for Donald Trump in 2020? I think we'd probably have to define formidable, but she'd really be a good candidate for sure. She's very likable. Um, people from various walks of uh, political life like her. So I think that she would do very well. What do you think, Nate? True or false? Would she be formidable for Trump? Definitely more formidable than most of the 2020 hopefuls that are currently in the Democratic field. Uh, her and Joe Biden right now seem to be the only two who, for all their baggage from the past administration, for all the jokes and everything else, they're not nearly as big as uh, of, of punchlines as your Kamala Harris's, your Cory Booker's, your Liz Warren's, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think, you know, we we still do have to define what formidable means in in that sort of context, but definitely more formidable than the rest of the field. Aaron, what do you think? True or false? Definitely. Definitely true. All right, gentlemen, let's get to issue two. Lawyer up. If you want a good analogy for what the dynamic between the House of Representatives and the White House will be for the next couple of years, this montage of Jim Acosta is a pretty good place to start. Comment on Michael Flynn being indicted, sir. Can you comment on Michael Flynn being indicted? Mr. President, can you be America first, but also be rubbing elbows with all these bigwigs? Mr. President, how can you be America first when you're rubbing elbows with all these bigwigs, sir? Maybe we should turn the cameras on, Sean. Why don't we turn the cameras on? Why don't we turn the cameras on? I'm sorry that you have to do it. Jen, go ahead. Why not turn the cameras on, Sean? They're in the room. The lights are on. I'm moving to a different channel. I'm sorry. I know, but I didn't get a chance to ask the question that I wanted to ask. And I'm not taking another question from you at this point. Mr. President, any comment on Senator Al Franken? He made some comments about you earlier today, sir. I didn't hear it, sir. Is Caucasian or white countries, sir, or do you want people to come in from other parts of the world where there are people of color first question what do you think democrats mean when they talk about using the house of representatives that they now control as a check and balance on president trump what do you think they think that means nate madden since you're covering the hill i'll start with you go ahead I think that it means that we're going to see every scrap of paper that has existed in this administration subpoenaed. Every single political appointee is going to have absolutely no bandwidth left for anything that this administration wants to do because they're constantly going to be responding to subpoenas and summonses from the House Judiciary and Oversight Committees. I think that's what they're it, it what they mean by check and balance here. They're going to be using subpoena power. They're going to be using the oversight authority of the House to do as much as they can to stymie Really, with the exception of federal judges and tax cuts, the only place that's any, making any real policy in the Trump era, which is the Trump administration. What do you think, Todd? What do you think they think it means? I think it means uh, a usurpation 
they, they're not interested in checks and balances. Uh, progressivism is uh, basically we, we, the reason I, I talk and we talk about uh, notions of civil war is because uh, their tribe is a hostile foreign power. They do not believe in the founding principles of this country. They are increasingly honest about telling you so. Um, you know that um, abortion video we talked about, which shows the baby and said, you know, it deserves to be a choice. That they're that brazen all the time that they really do not care about the Constitution as the founding document uh, of the Declaration and the Constitution as the founding documents of this country. They just don't care. So if they don't care about that, they don't. Uh, they they don't care about the fact that we're supposed to have checks and balances. They and this goes back to what we talked about before, and which is why I view it as a wave. They they, they are usurpers, and they are going to use this opportunity uh, not to check, uh, but to take over to the extent that they can. It's why, without even blushing, they talk so freely about uh, throwing dump tr- uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, out of office. Aaron. What do you think they think it means? I think they think it means they're going to be the legislative equivalent of Jim Acosta, just gumming, gumming whatever the heck they can up and just trolling uh, the White House all they can because of everything that Todd just said. That is, that's why I chose that analogy in the, uh, in the introduction is because they are going to be, with actual power, they are going to be the equivalent what Jim Acosta is to those um, press briefings and whatnot they're going to be to this White House. Caleb, what do you, with all due respect to the first three guys that spoke, I, I think we, you guys did a really good job of describing what we think they think it means. <laughs> and I'm not saying I disagree with any of you, by the way. So let me try the question again. Caleb, what do you think? If you were, if you were answering for them, maybe I should make it make, I should have worded my own question better. What do you think in their minds it means to be a check and balance on the Trump administration? I, I agree for in terms of consequentialism that what, what Todd Aaron and Nate have defined is what it will ultimately mean. But, but what, how would they define it, do you think? Well, I think part of the answer to that goes back to something that we were talking about previously with Michelle Obama. I just want to say I think Harris is probably going to be a very strong 2020 candidate because she is – it's easy on the right to say, well, you know, she's she grandstands, she acts like Jim Acosta, but she does it uh, in Congress. Um, that makes her seem like a silly candidate, but she's not. I think that she's exactly what, uh, not just what liberal voters are looking for, but this is what the what the Congress wants to be. They want to be like Harris. So I think she's going to be a strong uh, 2020, maybe stronger than Michelle Obama, even if she's not that as likable. Um, and I also just want to quickly note how hilarious that question was from Jim Acosta talking about how can you be America first when you're rubbing elbows with other countries. That is the <laughs> dumbest premise I think I have ever heard from a guy who thrives on dumb premises. That was utterly laughable. I wrote an article for Red State a couple of years ago uh, called CNN's preacher Jim Acosta should shut his loud, irritating face. And he's never done anything uh, to change my mind about that. But that's what they're looking for. You know, when they, when we got the Supreme Court seats, when we got two Supreme Court seats, they immediately began talking about getting rid of the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. undermining the Supreme Court, adding more seats, reducing its power, doing anything. Usurp, they, you, usurp, usurpations like what Todd was defining. Right. That's right. Yeah. And they do the same thing now. Uh, they, there's this um, Senate popular vote mythology going around. Uh, and... It, you know, they've got, uh, I can't even remember who it was over at uh, Think Progress, whose tweet about it and then subsequent article 
were premised on abolishing, abolish the Senate, he said, because it undermines free and fair elections for states to have an equal number of representatives in one part of a bicameral legislature. It's utterly preposterous. And it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how the process works, why it works the way it works, what the intent was. They have absolutely uh, no interest in what the Constitution is there to protect. And instead, what they want to do is achieve a particular set of liberal progressive goals at any cost. Mm -hmm. I think that when the voters talk about how they're going to be a check and balance on Trump, what they mean is that he's they're going to they want them to obstruct him and attempt to criminalize him and attempt certainly to uh, lock him up every chance they get. What those who are there, what those who are in Congress think is a little less clear because they have power they want to cling to. They have their own objectives. They have uh, state goals that they want to meet. They have lobbyists that are behind them. They have monies that have been put into their campaign. So they have a little bit murkier goal, but absolutely obstruction uh, and really uh, undermining 2020 in any possible way they can. All right, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because we're going to hear these talking points from Democrats for the next year. And they're going to go, they may put it better than I will um, because I, I would assume they'd be better at their talking points than me. <laughs> but, but they're going to go something like this. <clears throat> Let me clear the throat. Uh, get my channel, my inner Kamala Harris, uh, Liz Warren, Spartacus. <clears throat> they'll go something like this. We have a president who took the extraordinary step of not disclosing his personal finances and taxes when running for office, has been extraordinarily secretive about his business associations, um, and yet, at the same time, the lawyer who managed many of those things for him for well over a decade has pled guilty to multiple felonies, had is has sworn in an affidavit that, the he, that he committed these felonies at the direction of the President of the United States, speaking of Michael Cohen, um, uh, we have uh, an outstanding investigation with the with the second longest tenured director of the FBI, other than J. Edgar Hoover himself and Robert Mueller, that has not yet uh, come to its conclusion. Uh, these are the things we're going to hear as justifications for why, as Nate said, they're going to subpoena every strip of paper. These are the things they're going to use to justify and say, because of the president and his character and his associations and the testimony of people like Michael Cohen, this is a proper use of a check and balance and an oversight. How would you expect the right to respond to that? I'll start with you, Todd. Anybody. Anybody can go, but Todd, I'll start with you. Well, first well, of all, that's... Hey, Caleb, uh, if you want to go, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that is true, uh, that that part of what you do uh, as a check and balance is oppose someone if you think they're doing something that's illegal, act in good faith on, on that basis. So that is a, you know, that's not an un incorrect thing to say. I also think there are a lot of questions out there that have to be answered. As you know, I'm not a big fan of the current administration. Um, so if you're at, if the question is, is that fair versus is that what they intend to do, it's certainly a fair platform to present to their Base. It's certainly a fair thing to say that this is what we're doing. Even if you disagree on the particulars, it's certainly a fair argument for them to make that this is our job, and you'll definitely hear them make that argument. Todd? I, I don't know if I can expect the right to make this, but the right answer, at least one of the right answers, is uh, can I expect your interest uh, in uh, justice uh, in this case to be on the same level as the Kavanaugh hearing? Uh, uh, 
I because that was nothing short uh, of a, uh, a, a political assassination uh, attempt. Now, uh, Caleb is, of course, we all have questions about Donald Trump on a daily basis, but we've also pointed out uh, that the uh, uh, Mueller investigation um, has been a disaster in terms of how our government is supposed to function, how we are supposed to hold each other accountable, and if Donald Trump is so obviously uh, in cahoots with nefarious uh, ends, this we don't believe in four-dimensional chess. It, wouldn't we, shouldn't we, couldn't we expect to have more uh, at this point? Uh, I, listen, now I, they I, would come back with that and say, "What more do you want other than the president's right hand man? What would what what else What else would you like other than Spock getting arrested uh, for uh, violating the prime directive uh, at the uh, at the hey, command hey, of hey, Captain hey, Kirk?" Drag Spock into this. Come on, <laughs> I know I'm pandering to our new guest there, but but again, I'm playing devil's advocate. That's what they would say to you, which is what What further evidence would do you want other than the president's private attorney who helped him fix? so many of his problems and scandals like Stormy Daniels and others, which the president did lie about, and now we know is all true, uh, swearing in an, uh, under oath in an affidavit that under direction of the president of the United States, I broke the law. That would be how they would respond to that. What, what other smoking guns do you want other than that? That's what to, they would say. To impeach the president of the United well, States? That's the qu- well, that's, again, I'm leaving these questions open-ended but, on purpose. So why are we doing if it? If it's, again... We started off the show. If it's to impeach, uh, you, you, yeah, of course. You, you cannot do guilt by association, particularly when you're throwing out the leader of the free world. I mean, there, there needs to be more. There needs to be more than the same sort of rhetorical flourish that you brought to the Kavanaugh hearing where you could say and do anything. And we just saw how preposterous that, that was with Michael Avenetti. It, it's got to be more. We have got to stop this insanity uh, where, where the bar—I mean, it, the bar has got to be as clear as ever when it beca- whether it's Trump in the White House, a Republican, a Democrat—and increasingly, the lowest bar in all of existence is when we go to Washington D.C. and we play reindeer games with each other. Nate, what do you think? How do would you respond to these points that I'm raising that I think they will raise? Well, of course, they're going to raise them. Uh, And as we're talking about this, what I keep thinking of is looking at when the entire balance of federal power was inverted from 2010 to 2014. I think we're going to see the bizarro world equivalent of all the different investigations that Republicans launched against Obama with at least the same, if not an increased veracity. And let's face it, a lot more increased media coverage. Imagine all of the coverage that conservative media gave to Fast and Furious, the IRS scandal, and the Benghazi investigation, but amplified by your CNNs, your Washington Posts, mm-hmm. your New York Times, and given far more favorable coverage than even those were by conservative media. I think that's the bare minimum of what we're going to be looking at for the next two years because, to the left, this is their equivalent of Fast and Furious, IRS scandal, um, the Benghazi situation, everything that came up during Obama's situation, during Obama's administration, that Republicans wanted to investigate, that Republicans wanted heads to roll over, we're going to see that completely inverted, and we're going to see the same tactics made by Democrats, and we're going to see, uh, you know, not getting into a discussion about whether or not the arguments would have merit and which which ones are true, which ones are, are full of crap. We're going to see the Republicans, in this case, play the same kind of defense that Democrats were during those four years. 
And I think the defense will look something like the case Todd made. Why, why should we trust you to, to be instruments of justice given the way that you just handled the Brett Kavanaugh situation? But that's more of a negative arguing against a negative. That, that doesn't do really anything to get to an objective truth, but I think that's kind of how Donald Trump likes it. I think he kind of likes it where well, you're negative versus my negative. Who are, and we're trying to find objective truth in Washington, yes. D.C. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> I, think, I think he likes it that way. Exit question. If the way the Democrats will handle the, their oversight business the next two years were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A, when the levee breaks. B, ramble on. C, no quarter. Or D, what is and what should never be. Aaron, I'll start with you. Um, when the levee breaks. When the levee breaks. So many good choices. I'm going with no quarter. No quarter, meaning no resistance uh, or no restraint. Yeah. Right. All right. What do you think, Nate? Which one? Absolutely no quarter. We're not going to see an end to subpoenas. We're not going to see an end to hearings. There will be no quarter against the administration, regardless of what the actual substance is. Caleb, what do you think? I don't know how you can apply uh, any other song to any political situation ever than Ramble On. (laughs) 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 You know what? I think they will ramble on. I was waiting for someone to give me this answer, Steve. I think they're going to ramble on while they apply no quarter. I think they will ramble on and on and on while no quartering at the exact same time. And then, then we'll, and, and we won't know the answer to this because some of it will be what, if anything, they come up with and, and what the president does and doesn't say in his defense. But then we'll have a conversation a year from now about whether they completely overshot their goal and created their own backlash, which... Democrats are known to do. There's two certainties in American politics, preemptive surrender by Republicans if they can, and then Democrats creating their own backlash by completely and totally overreaching in response to said preemptive surrender. When we come back, dude, instant karma is going to get you. We're going to talk about that next year, live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. Stay tuned. You know, we talk a lot about fake news nowadays, and you know where you see it maybe more than anywhere else is when it comes to your health. Take a look at uh, your superfood container. Turn it over. That back panel, does it say supplement facts? If it does, you know what it means? It means it's not an actual superfood because it's not a food at all. It's actually made from extracts. So with the goal of creating an actual superfood that's a food, specially designed to enhance your health and help you reach your full potential, a team of top physicians gathered to form Brickhouse Nutrition, and they want to introduce our audience to Field of Greens. It's the first real superfood. And that's why when you turn over the bottle and look at it, it says nutrition facts on the panel because... It is real food. One scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real certified vegan, vegetarian, USDA, organic fruits and vegetables complete with those antioxidants that are a great immune system booster here with cold and flu system flu season upon us. It's at my house right now as we speak, in fact. This is daily clean green energy that fuels your body for a healthier and happier lifestyle for a limited time offer. Visit BrickHouseSteve.com and use promo code Steve to get 15% off of your first order. BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. 15% off today. Experience a better you tomorrow. Let's get to issue three, Karma is a female dog. Not all heroes wear capes. Not all warriors carry a sword. 
and not all men have penises. Not sure how that's relevant to this story, but we got to check all our boxes here. And sometimes in the darkest of nights burns a light so bright one might mistake it for a flaming pile of putrid garbage. This man was that hero. He was that warrior. And he was that flaming pile of garbage. His story is one of humble beginnings. Born a poor black child who became a third-rate lawyer for a washed-up porn star who happened to sleep with the President of the United States, he rose to great prominence standing up for women's rights against the misogyny of his age. Being a crusader more than an opportunist, out of his great magnanimity, he believed all women. Until he was arrested for domestic violence against his ex-wife, Michael Avenetti, American Hero. Was that sarcastic? Because I gotta tell you, nowadays I I can't I I can't always tell what's sarcasm and and what's not. Uh, so Avenetti is adamant that he's being railroaded, that he is falsely accused, calls the charges completely bogus, and demands he be given all the benefit of the doubt. He did not want to grant Brett Kavanaugh when accusing him of being a gang rapist on a nebulous day and a nebulous year, sometime well over thirty five years ago. So, what your instincts tell you, Todd? I'll start with you. Is he being unfairly targeted here? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think he probably is. Yeah, we we <clears throat> need to start thinking along the lines of uh, uh, Occam's razor uh, in terms of uh, total depravity. It, 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 everything has been weaponized. Almost everything has been legitimized in terms of uh, political uh, warfare. And, and we do know from various other uh, ugly strains we've seen recently, that there is a side of the right, whatever that is now, uh, that plays by all of the same rules uh, of the left. There's no uh, mere Christianities. There's no first things guiding them other than their tribalism. So I think the thing that makes the most sense is that uh, while there might be some there there, just like there might have been some kernel of truth with whatever happened to Blazy Four, but uh, I, yeah, I think for the most part, uh, that small kernel of truth has been turned into a nuclear bomb to take uh, illegitimately take out Michael Avenetti. What do you think, Nate? What do your instincts tell you as a reporter is happening here with him? Are we really going to talk about fairness after what happened to Brett Kavanaugh? But I, you know, Todd has shamed me into realizing that there, there probably is, this is probably targeting. This is probably, there's probably some truth to it. Ultimately, it all points back to why things like evidence and due process matter, which is the case that conservatives made all the way through the Brett Kavanaugh circus in the Senate. It's just as true now, even if it's a completely unsympathetic character this is happening to, even if it's somebody who outright advocated to completely forego due process for really totally depraved accusations with absolutely no grounding in reality whatsoever. But there is, I mean, schadenfreude is a hell of a drug and it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to resist it at times. It, can I say one thing? It's especially yeah. because of this guy. I mean, I've talked about it before on my show. That's why I, I keep saying it's so important. I, the way I was targeted in my previous career, why you have got to have a line in the sand where you will not let innocent men be taken out just because you dislike them. And Steve, you know, the, the legal Eagles better than I do in the conservative world, whoever they are, I would be willing to step up like John Adams did 
defending the Redcoats in, in uh, 1770, they should be going to Michael Avenatti's defense right now. It, it, to the if behind the scenes they have a, a degree of a level of certainty that he is being railroaded because that's the way we finally put this nonsense to bed sooner or later. Otherwise, we we just he exits states left and then we go into the next circular firing squad. This is killing all of us. Caleb, what do you think? I think it's really hard to say. Uh, And certainly five years ago, we would have said it's premature to say whether or not uh, he's being railroaded. There are earmarks of being railroaded. There are also the telltale signs of it being true. It's really hard to say. And we can't judge his character well enough from what we've seen. And that's good news for him. From what we've seen on air, he may have a sterling character that we just have not been made aware of for some reason. So um, too, it's too tough, too tough to call. I couldn't say. So, you know, these stories get, are, for me, growing up in a home with domestic abuse, I, I always have to try and separate that so that I don't just assume every time someone is, con, is, is accused of this, Dave Dace's face is on their shoulders and, and, I, and you know, I've got a, a, an endless quarry here of rocks ready uh, fire aim, okay? I will say this, though. And, and I'll say this as one of those crazy right-wingers who doesn't even like most conservative judges. Uh, I'm not a, on that level. I'm not even a big Brett Kavanaugh fan. I just didn't like what was happening to him, as you pointed out, Todd. And there's literally nothing in his character at all for, to, 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 to lend itself that for one summer in 1982, he just, he just lost his damn mind. And then for the rest of his life, just uh, was Mayberry RFD. That's just, that's a hard narrative for me to believe. However, with Michael Avenatti, or Avenetti, whatever his name is, um, you know, the LA Times and the Daily Beast did a pretty exhaustive expose of him about a month ago that basically just laid out all the, and him, he's a fraudster. I mean, liens, eviction notices, millions of dollars of unpaid bills and things of that nature. Uh, we saw the way that he has behaved on air. We've seen the way he has behaved, he behaved in the Brett Kavanaugh thing, putting forth a sworn affidavit that just was a complete pile of, 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 of you know, steaming garbage. So it, it doesn't, that doesn't mean he's guilty here. But it, it doesn't nearly require Aaron, the leap. Correct. To go here yeah. with him, as it did with in, oh, 35 sure. years sure. ago, Brett Kavanaugh was Larry Flint. And then the rest of his life, he was the nerdy, soft-headed Republican most conservatives think doesn't have any, doesn't have any balls. I mean, that doesn't require nearly the leap in Avenatti's right. case. Right, just because of the, the expose that you mentioned and um, you know, dragging out Julie Swetnick as well, that the, the, the the lady who made the outrageous accusations, who's now backtracked against Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, it all points to poor character. There's lots of people with poor character who don't beat their wives. Sure. But I still see what you're saying there. There's character issues, at the very least, documented that lend itself to this guy not being on the up and up on any areas of his life. Um, if he, if he's, you know, if he's if show, shows cor- poor character in one in these pretty large areas in his life's work basically then that's probably a good indication of what he's of what he's really like and as far as I, i'm not sure how you would make a determination as, of if he's being railroaded at this point or if this these allegations are true um it as far as i'm aware these are much uh more recent yeah um and they're in the hands of the lapd and, as we speak exactly yeah and so i'm not sure um i'm not sure how you fake that either 
So that's th- those are things to keep in mind. But I'm not sure how you make a determination about that at this point. Well, I mean, the good news for the intersectionality crowd is if indeed he is being railroaded, then we now have the LAPD targeting a white male. So we're making hey. some progress here. Mm-hmm. There's always a there's, there's always a silver lining, oh, guys. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I'll always. You know me. I'm always going to find it. Yeah. A- exit question. If Michael Avenatti's future were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A trampled underfoot. B in my time of dying. C, dazed and confused, or D, the song remains the same. What do you think, Nate? The song remains the same. When we talk about this perception of Avenetti's character, that's it, it, it gets into this whole thing of how we perceive people based on what they're doing and everything else, where they sit on the political landscape. You know, I was talking to somebody who was anti-Kavanaugh uh, after all the, all the dust had settled and everything else, and he kind of made a similar point about what the left thinks, thought of Kavanaugh the entire time. Was that, oh, it's not that much of a leap to assume that he would do something like this, seeing as, you know, oh, he was a privileged prep school bro back in the day who drank a lot of beer when he was in high school. So it makes sense, you know, it, it would make sense that he did this. I think the song remains the same. I think he's still going to keep a lot of his base or whatever you can call his followership at this point. They're going to be just as devoted as they were in the first place. They're going to they're going to write this off as completely politically motivated. They're going to write off every single. I mean, even if something does come up, we've we've seen that even even convictions don't necessarily have to stick if you're a popular enough figure on the left. So I, I think the song remains the same in his case. You were, you agree quickly, Todd? You agree? I agree, but I'm still going to go within my time of dying because this sucks. <laughs> Caleb, which Led Zeppelin song is Michael Avenatti's future? What do you think? Dazed and Confused. Aaron? Song re- remains the same. Issue four, is it finally Muller time? Special counsel Robert Mueller may be close to wrapping up his investigation of alleged ties between Russia and the Trump campaign of 2016. Or he may not be. Who the hell knows? (laughs) First question. Are we buying the stories that Mueller is working on his final report and preparing to wrap it up? Caleb, are you buying it? Well, first of all, I don't think those two things are the same thing. is he working on his final report? I'd say probably, definitely. Is that going to be soon? There is literally no way to tell. Anything can trip him up. Anything can slow it down. There, there. It's it, it's absolutely impossible. Is he trying to wrap it up? I suspect he's been trying to wrap it up for a long time. What do you and think? I mean, Go trying ahead. to wrap it up, trying to get out. Trying to get out. Okay. Why do you suspect that? Curious. I'm curious. Why do you suspect it? Because what he's in right now is the – if you watch a lot of cable news, which is bas- basically what I do for a living, you see Ken Starr a lot. And the position that he's talking about Mueller being in right now is is untenable for his future. And it is a never-ending process. He says you cannot stop finding mm-hmm. violations of the law when you're investigating people who work in politics and government. And one leads to another, leads to another, and it can it can go on interminably and forever. And then you get to the point where it, 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 you, they become judgment proof because there's such a partisan investment on both sides, and right. you don't move anybody with your report because everybody's minds are already made up. You missed your right. window and to make a difference. Once basically, you get that report out after a certain amount of time. Yep. There's there's no one whether they wanted uh, impeachment or whether that was the last thing yep. on their mind. There's no one's going to be happy with what you put out. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been saying about this uh, this process for about the last eight months. Nate, do you, are you buying that it's almost over, Nate? I think he's definitely working on the report. I think he's probably going to keep finding things. Bob Mueller never he, he didn't develop a reputation at the FBI and in his career as an investigator by walking away from things empty handed. 
Uh, I think this is going to go on as long as it, as long as Mueller thinks that it has to. So as far as any predictions or prognostications about how long this is going to take and whether or not it's going to be a disappointment, I, I'm on a wait and see kick with this. Todd? Uh, unaccountable potentates are this country's jam right now. Yes. <laughs> he he's not going anywhere. We've got courts now, you know, basically saying that uh, Jim Acosta gets to, gets to live rent free in the White House in perpetuity. Uh, oh, yeah. th this is where we live, man. Aaron, I'm not buying it. I mean, we've had this for a year and a half, almost more than a year and a half. What's another two, three, four, five, six eternity years with Robert Mueller? I mean, it's a lot friends. of billable hours, bro. Amongst friends, what's the difference? What difference at this point does it make? It's a lot. It's Hillary. a lot of billable hours. And for folks who maybe don't understand the process, he's actually not handling the Michael Cohen conviction. That's actually been difference. sent over to the jurisdiction of the U.S. Attorney's that Office. Is, that is the what is that? The blue dress of this case? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good analogy, by the way. <laughs> All right, exit question. If the potential for impeachment ammunition provided for House Democrats by Mueller in his final report were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A, Whole Lot of Love, which, by the way, trivia question, that's the only top 20 hit on the Billboard chart Led Zeppelin ever had because most of their songs they never even released as singles. Uh, B, Heartbreaker. C, Communication Breakdown. Or D, Good times, bad times. Kind of a mixed bag. What do you think, Aaron? Um, I think it's going to be good times, bad times. But mostly, I mean, both sides will try to read into it what they want to. Todd? Yeah, communication breakdown. We're all just speaking in pig Latin now. It's in, indecipherable. What do you think, Caleb? Uh, I'm going to have to reject your choices and go with over the hills and far away. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Dee -dee 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 -dee. I like that. Go ahead. Nate, what do you think? What Led Zeppelin song that I gave you? The option of you cannot go off the board because you've been on the show before. You are not given a guest exemption from our fake binary choices. Go. Uh, I think communication breakdown is the best option here. Everyone's going to read what they want to read out of that. I mean, there's going to be communication breakdown for some. It's going to it's going to be heartbreaker if you're reading it as a as a Republican. It's going to be a whole lot of love if you're reading it as a Democrat. Regardless of what the substance is, they're going to use whatever is in there for the big impeachment push. That is a metaphysical certainty at this point. All right, let's get to predictions. Todd, I'll start with you. Uh, Jim Acosta will rightly enter the White House uh, and uh, give Donald Trump a kick me sign as his first order of business because that's what Donald Trump deserves to wear by accepting him back. This would be, is it suffice to say Jim Acosta, if they go along with this judge's ruling? Which it looks they like are. they are. Is it suffice to say Jim Acosta has cucked Donald Trump? Yes. Yep. Is that fair to say? Yeah. This is the <laughs> ultimate cuck move on Trump's part, don't yep. you think? Oh, totally. And he's, he's, he's just a total empty suit now for accepting this. All of his toughness and his bluster stuff that we've applauded that was necessary. But you, let, you, you, you simultaneously give the press and the courts a win. You've just shown that you really got no stones, man. What do you think, Nate, your prediction this week go? Uh, I'm going to take a very, very long shot, and I'm going to say that the Citadel stays within 30 points of Alabama next week's, uh, next week's you know, payoff game. I think that's not. I, I I think that's likely. I think Alabama's going to try to get out of there with the the two big games on deck, and you know they they often don't cover those massive numbers in these uh, scrub weeks before the rivalry weekend. Anyway, I don't think that's a bad prediction at all. Aaron, what do you think? The winner of the Big Ten regular season championship will end up in the Final Four. What's your prediction, Caleb? 
Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Panthers are going to win on Sunday. Against my uh, Lions. That's, I didn't know they were yours. Well, it depends. Well, you do. Now, that's cosmic. He didn't know, but he just decided to sweep the leg anyways. Uh, if, if, if they don't make up for this last loss, if Cam Newton doesn't go out there and put on uh, that amazing first game, first season performance of his professional career where everybody was like, wow, this guy is more than just hype, then uh, then it's really bad news for the rest of the season for the fans. Well, you know, my Lions have have – gotten blown out three straight weeks they've kind of shut it down for the season so i think you're pretty safe there it's not about it's not about just winning in the score you gotta they've got to dominate oh i think you're pretty someone used the term i think it was nate metaphysical certitude a couple minutes ago i think you're in good shape and i'm gonna make a sports prediction as well that's actually my uh tattoo by the way it says metaphysical certitude is it nice i'm gonna make a sports prediction as well i hate going with chalk but we're kind of to the point there's there's usually so many upsets in college football that chalk is now actually not the conventional wisdom, that I think the same four teams that have been in the top four for the last couple of weeks will end up finishing. They will all win out and get into the top four, and those will be your four playoff teams, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan. And I think it'll be in that order. And I think you'll see Alabama play Michigan in the Cotton Bowl and then Notre Dame and Clemson in the Orange Bowl, and the executives at Disney will be very happy with those four. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us here this week on the Roundtable. Good to see you. Take care, brother. All right, take care. Nate Madden from CRTV, Caleb Howe from Mediaite. We've got another hour to go. This is where you come in. Feedback Friday. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Feedback Friday is next year. Live on the, on the Blaze, on demand at CRTV. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2 of the Steve Dace Show, live on the blaze, on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. It's emptied out here a little bit. Todd and Aaron are still here with us. I want to thank Nate Madden from CRTV, Caleb Howe from Mediaite, formerly of Red State, for joining us on the Dace Group Roundtable today. If you missed any of it, you'll be able to catch it on the podcast, on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, at all. And while you're there today, if you've got time to leave us one of those five-star reviews, we would appreciate that. Now, if you don't like the show, I mean, don't lie, but if you do like the show and you've got time to leave us one of those five stars, they definitely help us to spread the word about the program. Same thing, if you click the subscribe button, if you haven't done that yet, please do that for us as well. And thank you to all of you who have done both of those things. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We're going to get to some of your feedback in a moment. But Christmas came early for our millennial producer, Aaron McIntyre. Yes, it did. I got my iTarget Pro system this weekend, or this week, and I showed you earlier this week a picture of my first uh, first round. I'm still working on the I'm working on the uh, accuracy a little bit, but my first round of training. I'm sure you with are, it, dude. I, that was not very impressive. I was like literally four feet away. <coughs> Excuse me, literally four feet away. So it's not that impressive. But iTarget Pro is what we're talking about, and you can be the coolest. Um, relative, Santa, whatever you want for those in your family or friends who just love firearms, but maybe I uh, want to save a little bit of time and money training by not going to the range or uh, not dropping a bunch of money on um, ammunition as well. Ammunition can be really expensive. 
That's where our Target Pro comes in, a product that is revolutionizing dry fire training. Usually uses your smartphone, Android, iPhone, uh, like what I have, uh, which fits, and a, 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 a caliber-specific laser that fits inside your gun and detects right where your shots are landing. Uh, iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with your caliber-specific laser, target system, and instructions, so you can start training immediately. Just go to the letter itargetpro.com, check out the video, kind of like the one that you're watching right now, and then choose your caliber and download the app so you can get ready right away. Right now, get free shipping through the end of the year, plus save an additional 10% when you use the offer code STEVE. When you purchase your iTarget Pro system, save money, save time, take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter iTargetPro.com, offer code Steve, iTargetPro.com, offer code Steve, and free shipping now through the end of the year. That's a really, really cool deal. Uh, Next week, I'm going to give you another update on where I am with my training, when I'm actually doing training and not just fooling around with it. uh, Yeah, I'm not just messing around and getting a triple-double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know brag. what's up. You know what's up. You yeah, know what's up. I, I hear you. All right. All right, let's get to it. It's time for some feedback Friday. This is what you've sent to us on Facebook, Twitter, email, steve at stevedace.com. And I am still locked out of my Facebook page because Facebook sent me a note three days ago telling me I was going to get banned for three days for something I wrote, thanking the president for getting rid of cross-dressers in the military, which he didn't actually do. Um, and that violated their standards. And I wrote that well over a year ago. And somehow, I mean, if we're going to go back now and retroactively start banning stuff on the basis of what you said a year, three, four, five years ago, violates the, the, this month's morality, there is going to be a lot of thinning of the ranks on social media, but you know, maybe that's what they want. So I can't interact with you guys on Facebook. Um, I can see what you're sending me, at least until tomorrow morning, but I can't respond. So I'm going to respond to some of the notes you've sent me on Facebook here, if you guys are if you guys are okay with that, because I sure I can't do it in writing. This is from John uh, Bumbino, is his name B U M B I N O. I want to make sure people don't think I just made that up, right? That's a you can see on my screen. That's a got it. It's a real person. All right, I didn't just make that up. Not entirely sure why, but I really don't care for your show. I don't really care much for Steve or the other crew. I used to watch Doc Thompson every day. Too bad he's gone. Pat Gray's a good show, and Glenn does a good job, but I really don't like your show. <laughs> Well, that makes two of us, Dan. <laughs> well, I'm not exactly sure why John isn't sure. Or it's John, sorry. It, it's okay. <laughs> his, friend, his friends call him Dan. Lieutenant Dan, in fact. Um, I, I'm not exactly, I'm not entirely sure why John is not entirely sure why he doesn't like our show. I mean, I'm on, I'm, I'm on this show every day and have been for years. I've, I could come up with a myriad of reasons not to like it. I, I can come up with a, a plethora of reasons not to like us. I mean, I... I have have our standards in the culture sunk so low that I now have to do a better job of articulating why you wouldn't like us um, than than you're capable of. I mean, there's there's all kinds of reasons not to like us. I mean, I mean, how do I loathe thee? Let me count the ways. I, why is he mystified that he doesn't like us? Well, isn't one of the hallmarks of progressivism to be totally sure about the things you're not really sure about? This guy's entering dangerous waters. I'm just this. I'm doing a public service announcement yeah. to him, man. I mean, you, you you spent the time to be so sure to write about something you're not really sure about. Uh, th- that sounds like this Austin Fleckus thing where they go out and people are protesting Ben Shapiro and they know have the idea what he's ever said or done. Um, I don't know. Just go do something else, man. Why why spend the time writing this? I mean, I'll just speak for me. Just to, just because I want I want 
I want to help John Bambino out. I mean, I'm not, I don't really have a classic radio voice. I'm certainly not. Um, I think face made for radio in my case might be a compliment. You know, I pulled off 47 sit-ups in my one minute uh, workout test this morning, but you know, I'm, I'm still rolling, you know, quite the spare tire in that part of the, in that part of the, uh, uh, natural Maybe habitat. Maybe it's because I interrupt too often. There's that. Um, I've got an incredibly narrow, uh, worldview. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, there's like this gate here at the end that it's only open about that wide and that's about all that gets through. So right away, I'm, you know, I'm not attractive. I easily alienate people and I don't really have the most pleasant or soothing voice. And did I mention I wear sweatpants almost every single day to work because I'm only filmed from the top up. So, I mean, I could continue, but I think by now we got John off to a good start about why he's not sure he doesn't yeah. like us. Basically, John, all you did was tell us you've been watching. Thank you, by yeah. the way. Yeah, thank you for that. We appreciate it. Here's another John. John Luden says, I listened to your show yesterday where you were insulting Joel Osteen. You commented that you didn't have anybody come to his defense. Well, now you have one. It's, by the way, you keep calling him Joe, John. <laughs> he keeps calling him Joe Osteen. It's Joel. All right, and... You know, you talk about how he's um, made an amazing impact on your life and helped to turn it around. He, he made such an amazing impact on your life. You do not know his name. Is that he, a problem? He made an amazing impact on your life, but you don't. You don't know his. You don't know his name, and he puts his name everywhere. I mean, everywhere. His name is behind me every day on the show and he made an amazing impact on your life but you don't know his name Joel Joe J JJ Abrams maybe he that's who he's talking about uh, you know what I, I'll, I'll take it for granted he said um, as I was saying I find it very disturbing that someone who quotes Bible verses and claims to interpret God's word on the radio would insult another pastor who has done so much for so many people um, why um, it, it's, it's because I quote Bible verses that I'm insulting Joe Osteen because that's not what he does. He's not a pastor. He's a life coach and a really good one. I'm, I, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, tips of, uh, of how to, you know, win friends and influence people that he gives you that I don't think are bad. They're just not Christianity. And if he was like your corporate life coach or your, your high school guidance counselor, would you have a problem with Joel Osteen? Not really. Uh, I think <laughs> really? I would. Yeah. I, I I'm trying. All right, we already lost John Bambino. I'm trying to hold on to John Luden's here, I guys. Feel like within five minutes, I would say wipe that ridiculous, handsome smile off your face. The point is, he does. He listen. I've I've read numerous of his books. I used to watch his show after I first got converted. I used to watch all the time, and then. When I started studying the Bible, I'm like, none of this is actually in like any of his messages. Okay, so um, he is a life coach. He's Oprah Winfrey for white suburbanites. That he's Oprah Winfrey for white suburbanites who who want Bible verses. That's what it is. That's all. That's it. It's not Christianity. It's it's self esteem is uh, self esteemism. It's youism. Some of it's not bad. You know, I mean, not every time Disney says believe in yourself. 
sometimes you do need to believe in yourself. You know, when your daughter is doing a, is, is doing a, you know, a, a national event in sports and she's going up against a level of competition she is, has never faced before. I'm sure you've as a, given her as a pep talk as an old man. Hey, you've done this before. You've got the talent. Believe in sure. your ability to do this. Step up, right? Not every time someone says believe in yourself or something is it bad. Okay. When it, when, when, when that is the end of, of, of the journey though, when the, when the conversation begins and ends with you, it may be a lot of things, maybe bad. Some of them may be good. You know what it's not? It's, it's real. It's not Christianity. Christianity is I die daily. Joel Osteen is the pronouns you and I, that those things aren't the same. That's all. That's all. Um, and, and I don't think it's too much to ask. That if someone has really gone out, really had a huge impact on your life, you know their name. Name it and claim it. Oh, five people in the audience right now know why that was a zinger, but they're all laughing. And aren't you proud of me? I'm Catholic. Yes. Yeah. You threw that out there. I I understood that that reference. Yes. Uh, This is also from Facebook. Jim Jim Carpinelli. Right, so I'm contacting you regarding your evaluation of McSally's Liberty Score. Let me stop right there. I didn't. I don't, we, the we Liberty didn't Score evaluate. is not an evaluation. That's what I tried to explain the other day. The Liberty Score is a stenographer. It's not an. Ev- All the other groups that have their own scoring, they're actually doing an evaluation. Meaning, Club for Growth may weight a certain bill that is more of a priority for their donors than another bill. And National Right to Life may do the same, and the NRA or Gun Owners of America may do the same. They're actually evaluating people. We're not. We're recording their votes. We're that. We're the at Conservative Review. We're the court reporter sitting there with the little stenography pad. We're just. We're. You're the ones. Ta- the politicians are talking and voting. The jury is acting. We're not. We're not. We're not evaluating anything. We are recording the record. That's all we're doing. Uh, that's just your cisgendering of the things they've actually <laughs> done and said. So we're not evaluating the Conservative Review Liberty Score is not an evaluation. And if it were, it's an accumulation. How would, it, and if it were, how would we then evaluate the evaluation? Yeah, what? it's it's not an evaluation. It's an accumulation. This is how they voted. Their last fifty times in office is how far back we go. Because we also don't think if someone's been in office for ten years. You know, it may not be fair to pull out one vote they made in 2007 that we don't like and have that ruin their entire score. All right. So we only go back your last 50 votes on everything. We don't weigh one thing more than another. It is a recording. Okay. This is very important to understand. This is not our evaluation. It's their accumulation. It's how she has voted. And then if you go to our site and you click on Martha or any member of Congress, Democrat or Republican, you'll see the PDF there where you can look at how they have voted on these issues and see it for yourself. We can't make this any more clear or we did this this way on purpose because see conservative review for let me explain something to the audience. Maybe I haven't explained since we've come to the we've come to the blaze. Where did conservative review come from? Conservative review is the brainchild of a very wealthy man. Who name, whose name we will not disclose here so that he can have some form of a private life. But a very wealthy man who was given promises by the Republican Party that if he maxed out to many of their causes in the 2010 Tea Party election, they would follow through on all that high-minded rhetoric that they were promising all of the conservatives that year. And then when they didn't follow through and he gave them all that money to just do essentially nothing, like most people who have a conscience, he got mad. So he began to recruit a group of people, 
Our executive editor, Gaston Mooney, used to be with the Senate Conservatives Fund, used to work on Capitol Hill for Jim DeMint and Pat Toomey. Daniel Horowitz, who you see on here, uh, used to help recruit candidates for the Madison Fund. Uh, or the Madison Project, I should say. Uh, you may have watched Amanda Carpenter on CNN. She was one of our original crewmates here. She was Ted Cruz's uh, communications director, meaning a team of people were assembled. I was one of the original people brought in here. I worked in the media. A team of people with expertise in different facets of the conservative movement were essentially brought in before CRTV was ever born. The original intent and a lot of money was put into creating the Liberty Score to remove our opinions out of it because what we saw is there was a lot of people doing scoring that were really doing fluffing they were protecting their favorite candidates and not really telling our people what was really going on and so our organization was set up to blow all of that up the algorithm we have is not an algorithm (laughs) it is we literally here's how they voted and then we report on it that, that's, what, that's all that it is. But to keep this massive data, we created this to remove as much of our opinions because we all have biases. We all come into this with some relationships. We all come into this with people we do like and don't like in the movement, et cetera. We wanted to remove as much of that as we possibly could. You can't totally remove it because we're all human beings. But it was created to remove as much of that as possible so that the votes would speak for themselves. Their records would speak on their own. That's how this was started in 2013 and 2014. CRTV came later, and there's a whole story behind that. And much of where CRTV came from is because we, were, we essentially begged, and CNN, whose ratings were in the toilet, um, we essentially, one, our, again, our, our original benefactor essentially begged CNN, why don't you put somebody like Mark Levin, who has an actual following on, and get some real ratings in primetime, Hell, I'll even pay you to do it for the first year. I'm so confident this thing will make money. We'll pay you. And CNN was so adamant that they needed to remain in ninth place out of three competitors that they just weren't, they wouldn't. And so we created CRTV as a platform to give Mark, to, to, to put, you know, somebody like Mark Levin, a movement conservative who couldn't get a spot on primetime cable news to create one for him. And then that show became so successful and blew up that the management here was like, you know, let's, you know, we're gonna, we got a sun in the solar system. You know what a sun needs? Planets. So we should create some planets uh, to orbit around that solar system to provide even more content. And that's for me and Michelle Malkin and Steven Crowder. We were the, the original team of people that were kind of launched into geocentric orbit around Mark Levin. That's where, that's where all of this came from. And it was all created originally with the notion that we weren't going we to game the system. We were not going to play the game a lot of other people play. Hell, the reason we call, what I, I've, nobody's confirmed this for me. I think one of the reasons we called ourselves conservative review was to push back on national review, which had essentially become, uh, you know, Mitt Romney's the new Reagan after he ran for the Senate ripping Reagan and saying he was a right winger that hated people in 1994. Or, you know, there's, at this point, I don't believe there's anything courts could decree that three guys writing at National Review right now would not say, you all must castrate yourselves. There'd be three people at National Review that would write a column that would say, you know, it's a crappy ruling, but uh, here are some of the, uh, the, the, the most uh, effective knives to cause the least amount of collateral damage we suggest removing your nether regions with. And here's a very strong local to go along with it. That's kind of, that's, I think that's even the reason we probably called ourselves that. I don't know that. That's kind of my own theory. But um, I, I think this is important right away. 
And I probably should have made the points I just made long ago of where we all came from and why we all started this. And it was precisely to not do evaluations. It was precisely, we're a reporting mechanism. We won't, we don't endorse candidates. We, 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 we are doing the best as, as much as we possibly can. That's also why you see a wide range of voices. When you go to conservative review, you see a group of people who are adamantly pro-Trump. You see a group of people like me, for example, who are fairly skeptical initially. This is, again, done for the purpose of um, letting you decide. that We don't believe it's our job. You know, Our offices are in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, we don't believe it's our job to sit around in D.C. and New York and, game, and, and decide uh, what, uh, what content can today's conservative, uh, should they be exposed to? No, we're not going to do that. And then you guys decide whether you like it or not, period, and a sentence. So right away, Jim, nobody at Conservative Review has evaluated Martha McSally or any other member of Congress. They have simply recorded their votes. That's it. He goes on to say, I appreciated you highlighting uh, her record. However, what should I make of a comment that a prominent Moody broadcaster, is that somebody associated with Moody Bible College? I'm guessing they have like a radio network? Correct. Okay, I didn't know that. All right. However, what is to be made of a prominent Moody broadcaster referring to her as pro-life? Can you please address how to root out the bias of hidden agendas, especially when such conflicts exist? Yes. That's why we created the Liberty Score. That's that's why we made it this way. So I don't even know who... Janet Parshall used to work at Moody. I don't know if she still does or not. I don't know who... Okay. I'm not really sure who was over there. But let's say say it was Janet. Okay. And and Janet Parshall says Martha McSally's pro-life and Steve Day says that she's not. You know how you would iron that out? Is you would go to conservativereview.com, look up Martha McSally's voting record and find out for yourself whether or not she voted to fund Planned Parenthood. And then I guess if we can't agree that voting to fund the largest killer of children on planet Earth is not pro-life, then we're having a different argument than whose score is. What was this guy's point? (laughs) Um, His point is he's struggling, and I don't blame him for struggling. He's struggling with, I trust this person, and they're telling me one thing, but you're telling me another. I'm not telling you anything. I'm telling you what Martha McSally did. Meaning, this isn't my spin. It's not my opinion. This is how she voted. You know, I think that's very important. Now, you may have an opinion on, well, you know, she had to vote to fund Planned Parenthood because otherwise the government would have shut down and it would have cost Republicans the midterm elections and she's given a lot of other pro-life speeches. Okay. And you know what? That's your opinion, your analysis, but that's not her record. All I'm... I'm just giving you the record. That's it. That's all we do at Conservative Review. I just look at the record. Can I make it? And, and I'm not, this is important, this conversation. And Jim, I don't believe you're being snarky. And I don't, no. frankly, yeah. I don't care if you are. I mean, you're welcome to be. Um, I, I just, we have tried, our, our entire platform was created to take as much ego and guesswork out of this as we possibly could as we possibly could. So that scorecard is nothing other than their record. Period. That's it. Should I add anything else to this, guys? You think I've answered Jim's question? Yeah. yeah. Indeed. And, and can I add one more thing then? Since you guys told me to move on, let me add one more. Um, 
a lot of people in conservative media. See, when you get what we, I used to joke around and call this the magic R. And Abraham won a Republican primary and it was credited to him the magic R and thus righteousness, okay? When you, when you and all who gaze upon the, the magic R marvel at the magic R. When you win a Republican primary, this is why I don't believe Jim Jordan will ever be Speaker of the House. His only chance to be Speaker of the House was to win the minority leader election a few days ago. Steve, why? Here's why. Because many of the same conservative groups that were emailing you we need Jim Jordan to be the minority leader because Kevin McCarthy sucks. Here's what's going to happen. In fact, it already is. Now that Kevin McCarthy won, and it wasn't even close. It was like 150 to 43 or something. Now that Kevin McCarthy won, they're all going to now begin uh, pivoting yep. and telling you how great he is. New conservative hero, trademark. Yes. And, and since Kevin McCarthy is in a distinct minority, with Democrats going to pick up about 40 seats when it's all said and done, they won't need any. They're, they're not, Democrats aren't going to need any Republican votes to do anything they want to do. Which means all these Republicans, this is how you'll know who the really bad Republicans are. The ones who keep voting rhino even when their votes aren't, aren't needed. Like when, when the Democrats were in control of Congress fully the last time and Murkowski and Orrin Hatch kept voting with them anyway, that's how you know they suck. Like they won't, they won't even, they, they have so low regard for you, they won't even lie to you. They'll just, they'll just openly betray you on the steps of the Roman Senate. Uh, Brutus, in broad daylight when their votes aren't even needed. Okay, so what's going to happen is the Democrats are going to do a lot of things party line in the next two years. And as partisan as possible, Republicans will say no, and McCarthy's going to be on every Sunday show, every conservative media outlet, uh, uh, and is sounding as right-wing, and he's going to be the two-live crew of, of, of the right-wing, as, as right-wing as he want to be. And Many of the same people that bombarded your email inbox to tell you that if if that we can't have the rhinos win, that's why you have to vote Jim Jordan. They're going to tell you for the next year as Kevin McCarthy serves up conservative porn, they are going to be downloading that into your inbox. And then once they do that, they will brand him your new conservative hero, as Aaron said. And the next time the Republicans get the House, provided Kevin McCarthy doesn't do anything completely stupid, which I mean, on space, so that's a possibility, um, he's going to be the next speaker. Yeah, and uh, also, oops, we forgot to defund Planned Parenthood and repeal Obamacare again. Sorry, yes. you vote for us again. Yeah. Just forgot. And so this is the game. Honest mistake. Yeah. This is why I said when we talked about McSally earlier this week, I am well aware she is not with me. I would have voted for her anyway because her opponent wants to end me. But that doesn't mean McSally is the hero of the story. She no. is not. She's a tool for me to use in my own self-interest. And the reason why once these guys, this is also why we can never, one of the big parts of my next book, pre-orders available now, just in time for Christmas if you're one of the nine people we haven't alienated yet. All right, Amazon.com, truth bombs, lies conservatives believe to our own demise. You want to know when I knew we were done is when we went after McConnell in Kentucky with Matt Bevin, who's such a good candidate that he's now the governor of the state. And this is a state where in the last 20 years, Democrats three times didn't get 40% of the vote in the presidential election. That's how red it's becoming. And all this media and all this attention and focus, but all the media attention and focus was all from the liberal media, like Fox, Drudge, Rush, never talked about the race. It was all, it was all over MSNBC and CNN, but how many Republican primary voters are watching those channels? Answer, none, right? 
So we get to primary day. Matt Bevin, he puts in a, a substantial amount of money out of his own pocket, six figures to launch his candidacy. He's got all this grassroots support. He gets absolutely annihilated. That wasn't even losing convincingly to the leader, the Senate, to a Senate party leader isn't the problem. All right, here's the problem. Remember when I mentioned that three times in the last 25 years, Democrats couldn't even get 40% statewide in the uh, presidential election in Kentucky? Well, on that same exact day, the Democrats had their primary too. And they had way higher turnout for a Senate primary in an election they were never going to win than we had challenging the Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell, in a deep red state. Meaning, our people could, were, were so uninformed about what was happening, for real, they weren't even spurred to show up and vote. And why is that? Because of what's happening with McCarthy as we speak. He's being rebranded now that he won. He is your new conservative hero, trademark, as Aaron said. And, that, and that's at Conservative Review. We try to remove as much of that as possible. This is just their records. You, you make up your own mind what you want to do with it. But the, the issue is not voting for McSally. The issue is voting for McSally, believing she's some kind of conservative hero when she's not. Because if the day should come that a non-crazy conservative should try to primary her, if she would have won, well, if you've been told this whole time Martha McSally is your new conservative hero, why would you go vote for her conservative challenger in a primary, guys? Why would you do that? Answer, you would not. And that's why, this is why we almost never win any of these. In fact, it's why they're usually not even competitive on primary day. We usually get poleaxed. That's why I gave up the process because we're going to get the same no matter, result no matter what, you know? So... With all due respect to you, Jim, and we appreciate you listening and watching, I think you need to go back to that Moody broadcaster with Martha McSally's Liberty Score and ask them to reconcile it. I don't have to reconcile anything. I, I didn't make Martha McSally's votes. Who do, you think, who do you think probably created Martha McSally's voting record, guys? Who do you think probably created that? Are the initials MM? Yeah, I think it's it was Martha. Did you vote proxy for her? No, Martha McSally voted. So I don't need to reconcile Martha McSally's voting record. It's not mine. It's hers. If someone else looks at that voting record and says that's pro-life, then I would, I would take it to that person and, and ask them to reconcile it. We created this so that we wouldn't have to reconcile anything. We would just look at the results and say, that's what they did. You guys why, have any thoughts on that? Why do we still talk about a thing called the conservative base? Yeah. It might just, be a conservative something, but it's not a base. Because they're, because of the conversation that we just had. Most of our people aren't aware of what's, act what's actually happening. Because most of our people get informed by Fox, who is siding with Jim Acosta in a ridiculous lawsuit. That's not yeah. a base, then. That's just people to be manipulated. They're, yeah. not, well, they're I, not active participants in their own life. Well, keep in mind, a lot of our people are very busy. Yeah. And they don't have time. Our people are not Democrats who are on the government dole all day long, wait, waiting like bone thugs at Harmony, waiting for the first of the month. They got lives, small groups, children, kids, caravans of, of extracurricular activities. And they thought that they had this conservative media that would fill them in, you know, in the few minutes remaining in the day. So, you know, that's a systemic problem that we have to push back against. And that's another reason why we created Conservative Review. More in a moment.
One of the latest trends for criminals is going after the title to your home. Why? Well, because for the vast majority of Americans, it's the biggest investment and the most valuable asset they have uh, is their own home. Now, you might be thinking, hey, I'm underwater. I can't afford the payments as it is. They can kind of have it. It's not the way it works. The The reason they're going after your home title is they're looking for equity. So maybe later on, When you do have some equity in that home and you decide you don't want to make some improvements or help with the kid's college or the daughter's wedding, so I'm going to maybe look at a home equity line of credit or a second mortgage, and all of a sudden uh, that equity is all gone, it's because they took your title from you. Uh, If you've got loved ones who are elderly, retired, they're especially vulnerable here. One, because they're the least likely to be the most tech savvy. And two is, financially, they're probably in a place where they're more likely to have their home paid off, if not almost there, therefore the most equity in that investment. So they're a target-rich environment. And and that's what's changed here. You know, it used to be when we were growing up, if somebody wanted to get the title to your home, they had to go down to the recorder's office, the county office, city hall, comb through a bunch of records, prove that they were you to begin with. Nowadays, this stuff is just all online which makes it especially accessible. And that's why you want to get home title lock because you might have something right now that covers you in case of identity theft, but it doesn't cover your home title. And for pennies a day, home title lock will put a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect any sinister activity at all, they're going to help to shut it down. And you never know, your home's title may already be compromised. They showed me a printout of mine with a signature that wasn't mine, but it looked, because I didn't sign it myself, but it looked... Pretty darn close to my signature, right? That's how easy it is for someone to get a hold of it. So sign up at HomeTitleLock.com for your free title scan and report today. That's a $100 value. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Billy Lawrence says, please stop preaching. I come to be informed on the issues, not to be talked down to. Well, a couple of things, Billy. Number one, we're going to do the show the way we want to do it and about the stuff we want it to be about because it's our show and we're the ones doing it. And then you guys as the consumers get to decide if you like that or not. And if you don't, nothing personal. Um, And then we won't be around and we're perfectly okay with that. That's, you know, a free market. That's how competition works. Uh, So we're going to keep doing what we're doing, but doesn't mean we can't do it better. So your first complaint is is not going to really register here. Your other lament though might. And, you know, this is something I, I, I've, I've had to work on throughout the course of my career is we certainly don't want to come across like we are talking down to you. Um, well, let me rephrase that. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we all need the wake up call, but on a, on a regular basis, we try to, like when we talked like theology yesterday, I, I went out of my way to try to make that as accessible as I possibly could. So, you know, guys, this is where you guys come in. If you guys think, hey, man, this is, you know, over people's heads or it's a little too patronizing, by all means, man, throw the flag and we'll deal with it at that time. Because I don't want to, you know, we're going to talk about the subject matter we want to talk about, but we, we do have a job to make it as accessible to people as we possibly can. 
Yeah. So basically, if uh, Steve comes across as condescending or patronizing, um, it's our fault. It's Todd and I's <laughs> fault. What were you saying about condescending and patronizing? Expert level unlocked. Holy cow, did you just troll me masterfully. And in a strange way, rather than offended, I, I feel a sense of almost respect, fatherly pride. <laughs> yes, like I like, like, you know, you came here and you were this quiet, polite, homeschooled kid. And dude, you just freaking lit me up. And I, I kind of just want to look at you and say, I think you're a man now. I'm really yeah. proud. You know, what do you think, Erson? I, I'm very proud of that. Dude lit me up and I walked right into it. Well played. You've created a monster. <laughs> Yes. It's a beautiful thing too. Um, let's uh, let's get to this one. Josh Josh Danielson says, "What's what's an in demand employable skill worth learning and developing for a future in conservative media?" <laughs> um, so I had to pause because I was going to give an answer. It's going to sound really condescending and patronizing. Because uh, I mean, I was going to suggest. Um, you know, willingness to uh, be a stenographer for Republicans in power, uh, to say whatever they want you to say, even when it's dishonest, and you know it's dishonest, and you're and a lot of your audience will also know it's dishonest, but they want it to be true, so they will receive it and welcome it with open arms. Is what I would say <laughs> if I was patronizing and condescending. Nice save. Did you like how I did yeah. that there? Okay, but since I'm not right now. I will, um, uh, you know what? Um, I don't know. Am I just go with my original answer? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What's the area that you're particularly excited about? Like, if you want to, if you want to push back on liberal media narratives, you know, I'd look at, um, you know, what organizations like the Media Research Center do. Mediaite is more of a mainstream, and we had Caleb Howe on from it earlier. It's more of a mainstream, tilt liberal, if not outright liberal media source. But I would look at maybe the work that, that a conservative like Caleb does at a place like that. Cause, and you even heard him on our roundtable today push back on some phony baloney, uh, you know, uh, leftist narratives. So, but that's what I'd figure out for you, Josh, is what are, what, what are the areas in our industry that you are the most on? Don't try to do everything. And, you know, figure out what your, doesn't mean you can't do multiple things. I mean, I do multiple things, but it started with one particular basis. My ability to hold court on a radio show and keep it interesting. And from there, uh, I got opportunities to write. And from there, I got opportunities to consult and work on campaigns and think and, and other things. But it always comes back to there's a reason those things are what I do secondarily. And this is the main thing. This is this is the main thing that I've I have fooled enough people into believing I can do. And the other things are, if you try to do, if you can't have four main things, is what I'm really. That's kind of true in just about every industry. You can have other things you are simultaneously good at, but what's start with your main thing? What's the main thing in conservative media you want to do that you're the most fired up about? And 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 then I would have I'd answer that question before I would begin looking at the process by which to, you know, uh, look for a career on it. You guys have a thought on that? Um, yeah, no, I think that's good. That's good advice. Because if you try to get into somewhere that you're really not that passionate about, it doesn't matter how good you are at what you do, you're not going to enjoy it. 
uh, just general pieces of advice as well. Um, try to build your own platform be, be, before joining anybody else's mm-hmm. platform. Uh, that's hard to do. It really is. And I was working. I mean, Steve. I Steve was, you know, calling me randomly uh, when I was watching the very first uh, college football playoff ranking show, and um, you know, kind of launching me to where I am right now. That was a ginormous break. Um, but uh, try to build your own platform first, and then another piece of advice that that he gave me as well, um, and probably at this point wishes he hadn't given me, is mis- <laughs> make yourself indif- indispensable wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Just try as hard as you can to make yourself indispensable. That's that's basically all there is to it. Um, you know, you, there there are there are there are jobs to to, to be had. Um, it's not a huge not a huge number, but if you're good and if you're consistent, then um, then you'll find something. So, and the build your own platform advice you gave is, I think, vital because even though it's unlikely going to be substantial, which you will initially be able to accomplish on your own, you want to establish your own voice first. Um, because what I face every day in my line of work, and some days it's worse than others, like today with, with the president getting his pants pulled down by his own judge and being uh, declared Jim Acosta's beta male, it's a hard day. Other days when the president's doing well, it's not that hard. But the, 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 this has always been the challenge in conservative media. How much are we closely, how much are we a mouthpiece for the Republican Party as a counter to the left? That's been, a, that's, and that will probably always be a challenge until a viable alternative to the Republican Party were to emerge. But with this president, given his persona, it's even more of a factor that there are whole careers. Nobody knew what an Anna Navarro was two years ago. Nobody knew. Now, millions of people know because she will find a way to literally blame anything on Donald Trump. Anything. I mean, literally anything. She gets up on a spring day and it's supposed to be 70 degrees and it's still cold. Uh, she'll tweet out that uh, this is because Trump hasn't addressed uh, climate change. I mean, she will, she will blame anything on him. And then we have people in our industry. Uh, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, so I'll just put it bluntly. I mean, the, Kaylee McElhaney got the job running at the, as the spokeswoman for the RNC because she proved to be a very effective liar for Donald Trump during the presidential campaign. You know, I mean, I, I went head to head against her on national television, caught her lying. So we have a we have an industry right now where a lot of bones are being made by your willingness to criticize the president when he's right and or shill for him when he's clearly wrong. And and I, I don't know that I could have possibly survived this environment if I had not established my own platform before it arrived. Okay. And that I had enough of an audience of people who were kind of used to me being a contrarian that what I didn't always conform didn't mean we had some rough times. Let's not lie about that. We did, but I think we kind of had a built-in callous because, because people were used to me kind of zigging when other people zagged already that it didn't seem opportunistic or personal. Okay. It's important to, you know, start, if you got a Facebook page, well, they let you do that nowadays right now, they're not letting me do it. But you know, I mean, if, if, you know, writing your own blogs on that page, you know, setting your own voice now so that you, if nothing else, you know what your own boundaries are when you, if indeed you do get a break and you get to go work for somebody. Because I've never really, I've been offered opportunities to sell out, but I've never really been pressured to do it because everybody knew going in, 
My answer would be no. So there, so pressuring me is basically asking me to leave. I, I don't, I, you can't pressure me because the answer is just no. I mean, there, I, it's not a question of, boy, will we do that? No, we're not. So you're basically firing me. I get it. No, per, I, we all got to make a living and nothing personal. Move on. So establish your own voice first. You want to add to that? Well, the reason besides our thinking uh, alike on the same topics that uh, I ultimately ended up here. I think uh, Steve knew that I was capable of fitting into the paradigm uh, he just mentioned based on my previous track record at the Des Moines Register. You, you, you need to be comfortable not being liked. You need to yep. be comfortable getting shanked yep. by your side. Yep. And listen, I'm, I, listen, I've got Jedi level status at that based on what I endured at my uh, previous uh, employer. The other thing I would say is uh, do a deep dive on some uh, one particular conservative thing. Become an expert at that. Uh, don't just be this general contractor guy. Mm-hmm. Like Steve said, he's become that. But pick. there's a, a guy here locally, I don't think he would mind us, Shane Vanderhart. He became an expert at education. He was on Glenn's uh, documentary, yes. Going Back Against Common yes. Core, that was in theaters nationwide. And, Shane was on that in that movie. And yeah. now he's more of a broad, you know, social media conservative. But that, because, get really good at something, because if you get really good at one thing, you're going to know a lot more on how to do deeper dives on mm-hmm. a lot of things and what real conservative is and not the thin gruel that we often get and that leads to our tribalism and you're cheering for people um that you you know you can't you can't stand because you really shouldn't can't stand at least the way they think about things because you've convinced yourself that the thin gruel is the deep dive that is one of the biggest problems we have so if you're really honest about this be honest enough to pick one thing and own it you know, and I, that is, that's, that's good in any, in any, you know, competitive career that you want to break into is the advice that Todd just gave there. But especially here when you're talking about advocacy media and going back, let me clarify, I want to add something to what I said earlier about and follow up on Aaron's point about using, building your own platform, building your own voice. You know, I think one of the things that got Michael Medved was at Salem before me, but we were there together when we were there. And him and I had a call once, and Michael is far more moderate to liberal than me on numerous issues, okay? <clears throat> but he's also a really sweet guy and, and was, couldn't have been more respectful to me despite our ideological differences. Him and I had, were, were talking on the phone once, and, and he had asked me, hey, are you getting any pressure from management uh, uh, because of your stance on Trump? And I was not getting any. Some of that was probably because I was not in a premium day part. Salem basically created a day part for me at night, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, to basically test me out, see if I could be a future prime, you know, time slot for them. And and so that was part of it. You know, I, I wasn't in a premium afternoon drive time like Medved was on drive time, 200 stations around the country. They had a lot more invested in him. So that's part of it. And But then the other part was Salem knew when they brought me in. I'm a, I, that I was going to be tough to tame if the goal was to make conform me. That's just not what I do. And don't hire me if that's what, and that doesn't mean I'm a fit for you, but then don't hire me if that's what you're looking for. Like they kind of knew by bringing me in, I was going to be, uh, you know, um, uh, I was going to be the stepbrother here, the redhead, the stepchild. They knew that. I think where they struggled with Medved was that they saw Medved willing to carry water for Republicans his entire career. And all of a sudden Trump comes up 
and he doesn't want to do it anymore. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that was a struggle for them. Now, Michael, I'm sure, would say, hey, man, there's a big difference between carrying the water of, Mike, of Mitt Romney and the way he handles his business compared to Donald Trump. I'm sure that's what he would say, and we probably would agree with him to, to a certain, at least some extent about that. But if you're the management at Salem, I'm sure it was difficult to figure out, hey, we asked you to carry water for Team GOP to go out there and beat the Democrats for 20 years, and now all of a sudden you're saying that this is a, a bridge too far when it's the most important election of our life. I think... I think it's important if, if you want to be a contrarian, even if you don't, but whatever it is you want to be, establish that voice before you get underneath a large platform. Otherwise, they will assume that you're joining their right. platform to conform to the culture that they already have in place. You think that's wise? Oh, that's echoing what I said. I agree 100%. Aaron, you want to add anything to that at all based no, on what you've seen I, in conservative media? That No, that is very wise because... Yeah, you you don't want you don't don't expect don't expect that uh, anywhere you go in media, even if it's opinionated or you get to editorialize, the people want your opinion. That the people who hire you want your opinion because we see. I mean, that's what Steve wants, and I mean, I I I mean, I can't hardly put two sentences together, and I still get to say stuff. Um, but we I, even let you fire guns. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, don't assume if if you do get somewhere. Uh, and you haven't already established your voice, and it's in, you're you're getting paid to editorialize a little bit. Don't don't assume that they automatically want your opinion. They want an opinion, maybe not yours. Now, let me say this as, as we get to the end of the show: everything I just said, notwithstanding, is all true. Even the even the the problems that go along with doing this for a living, all of that is true. Okay. Um, I have my differences with David French as of late, but he's got a Twitter thread out there right now about what him and his family are facing. Yeah, I mean, I've faced some of that myself. You know, that's where we're kindred spirits on that, okay? That goes to what you just said. If you want to do this, you know, make sure you get some really thick skin, right? Yeah. That All of that notwithstanding, as my, as my very first boss in radio once told me, it sure beats going down a mine shaft with a flashlight, okay? I mean... We get to come in here every day and essentially get you know, paid fairly well to stand up for what we believe in. Guys, I, yeah. you know what I mean, you and I have both loaded trucks at UPS. That's a cross-training workout, that gig. Yeah. Okay? There's a lot worse, more difficult things roofing on a 99-degree day that our listeners and viewers do for a living. Yeah. Because of you, we get to do this instead. Yep. Okay? And we are, we don't ever let us lose sight of the fact we are, and please don't lose sight of it. We are very, very thankful to you for that. Have a great weekend. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.